Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Anybody excited to be in church on a Friday night? Amen. I am so glad that you are here. I want to welcome you to Bethesda Church. Truly an honor to have you for our second Freedom Night of the year. How many of you enjoyed the first Freedom Night? Amen. I enjoyed it. I'm not going to take a lot of time right here. We're going to um, give you one quick announcement. I know that Sunday we're kicking off a brand new series entitled The Upper Hand. It's going to be a a spiritual warfare kind of series. We're going to start it on Sunday. Uh, I'm extremely excited about it. Uh, I want to give some love right now, though, to all of our Winterfest peeps. Pastor Jeremy took a busload of people to Winterfest. And come on, let's let them know we appreciate and love on our students. I told him, I asked him, I said, can y'all bring some of that Winterfest fire to Freedom Night? And man, you all look great. You sound great. I love what God is doing in and through our students, uh, you know, mainly because I got two students in my house, uh, student age, and I got one kid. Y'all know how that goes. Um, but I'm going to ask James, if you want to bring that on out, what I'm going to do for the offering tonight, um, if you want to give, there's ways you can give. They can put that on the side screen for a moment. Um, the ushers, if you want to put some containers near the back door, I'm just not going to take a lot of time for that because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something in this room tonight. Um, so on your way out, you can give. There'll be some containers there uh, that, are vis- that are visible. Um, we kicked off our first Freedom Night um, back in February, and God had really been putting it on my heart, you know, to talk to our church, and, and not just our church. I think this is going to move way beyond <laughs> our church. Um, God's doing something in the earth. Um, Revival is not coming. Revival is here. For those that want it, it's here. His presence is here. And so tonight, um, I'm going to be talking to you about a subject that we introduced at the end of the year uh, last year when we started talking to you about deliverance and our freedom nights are designed really three purposes it's an opportunity for us to pray for revival to believe God for healing but also to set the captive free Um, we we are prioritizing that and uh, the first freedom night in February I believe was a marker for our church Uh, I believe it was significant uh, as we begin operating in what God has called us to do fully And I want you to know deliverance ministry is not new for for God. (laughs) He's always been delivering people. Uh, How many of you are testimony to God's delivering power? Anybody? Like, you you know God can deliver. Uh, It's not new for me. It's not even new for Bethesda Church. I I was exposed to deliverance ministry um, as a boy attending Pentecostal Church. Um, I got to see firsthand uh, people set free. Uh, by the power of God and demons being driven out. and But it's never been something that I have ever seen emphasized a lot in churches. Um, and even though here at Bethesda Church, over the years, you need to know deliverance ministry is not even new to us. We've casted devils out all throughout our history. Um, it's just not something we've placed emphasis on. It's just more of when the devil manifests, deal with him. That's kind of been the take on it. And so we, we, we have moved in that. Um, but I, I just feel that in this season and moving forward, I believe that God wants us to not become a church that just delivers people, that just sets people free. I don't think that is, is the emphasis of our church. But here's what I, I, got you, I need you to understand. If you are bound, you can be set free. That, that's, that's where I'm, I'm going. That you don't, because the, the, the trick of the enemy is to make you think if you're bound, you'll always be bound. But the devil is a liar. And you, you, you got to understand, you don't have to stay bound. Jesus came specifically 
to set the captive free. And so tonight, I want to preach to you a, a, a sermon. I want to call this From Deliverance to Dominion. From Deliverance to Dominion. Exodus chapter number three, starting in verse seven. It says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. I mean, we gotta get rid of all the ites. That's what God's saying, we gotta get rid of all the ites. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, all the ites. All the ites. He said, now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. You have to understand there's types and shadows in the Old Testament and how many demons come to oppress and to torment. It calls them taskmasters. It says, I've seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for what you're about to do in this place. Holy Spirit, I ask that you do what only you can do. I pray that you would help me to communicate only that which you want communicated. Nothing more, nothing less. And Holy Spirit, when it's time you, you tell me, I'll get out of the way. I know that you want to meet with us in a powerful way that we leave this place differently than we came in. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. How many believe God's gonna do something tonight? Before we get into the meat of the message, I'm gonna give you some statements regarding being set free or statements regarding deliverance. You may wanna write a few things down tonight because I believe that God wants to teach us something and then he's gonna demonstrate it. Uh, everywhere Jesus went, you have to understand he taught and then he demonstrated what he taught. And so uh, we're gonna take some notes, but I, I also need you to be ready to write, but also I need you to be ready to shout when it's time to shout. Can we do that tonight? Deliverance sets the captives free, but discipleship will keep you free. Deliverance without discipleship leads to disappointment. Deliverance without discipleship will lead to disobedience. Let me say, another, say it another way. Truly delivered people want to be discipled. They want to read the word. They want to pray. They want to be in church. They want to be in community. A, a truly delivered person wants to become a disciple. Now watch this. You can't be discipled without being delivered, but you can get delivered without ever being discipled. A lot of people want to treat the church almost like a drug. I come get my hit, get my fix, and then I go and do my own thing. And then when I get in bad shape, I come get my hit or my fix again. But how many know we got to go from deliverance to dominion? We got to move from, from deliverance to discipleship to ultimately to dominion, that we reign in life the way God has called us to. Deliverance is what God does for you. Discipleship is what God does in you. And, and I want you to know tonight that Satan is not afraid of anyone who lives in church, but he is terrified of people who have learned how to live in Christ. And, and that's where the body is going. He is terrified. When you, when you begin to understand who you are in Jesus, who you are in Christ, and you take your rightful place, you become a threat to the enemy. But I'm, I'm afraid that the big C church, listen to me, the big C church, we have been trying to disciple people who are not delivered. We're trying to disciple them, and they're not delivered. And I'm telling you, you can't become a disciple if you're bound. If you're a prisoner... You cannot be a disciple. 
Um, and there's only one option. If there's demonic activity in your life or in my life, there's one option. You got to cast it out. You can't hug it out. Listen to me. You can't love it out. They have to be driven out. You got to take your rightful place. And so let me say this. This cannot happen without humility because it doesn't matter how long you've been saved. You, you may have been saved 30 years, but if you have open doors into your soul, open windows into your soul, I'm telling you, demons will take advantage of it. They don't care how long you've been saved. They don't care what bumper stickers you got on your car. They don't care what your t-shirt says. If you've got open doors, if you've got open windows, you can invite demons, sometimes unknowingly, into your soul into your home, into your family, all through open doors and open windows. And there comes a moment, if you really get desperate enough, that you may have to choose between deliverance or dignity. And let me just say that dignity has to go out the door if you want to be free. You can't worry about what everybody else thinks, what everybody else says. you got to choose to be delivered. And, and listen, don't forget that one-third of Jesus' ministry was deliverance. A third of what he did was cast devils out. And so I, it got me to asking, if, if Jesus spent a third of his time casting devils out, then why isn't the church doing more of it? Why, why are we allowing people to come and stay bound? And when I say the church, listen to me, I mean the big C church. I'm not talking about just Bethesda Church. How many of the church is bigger than Bethesda? I'm talking about the people of God in this nation, the people of God all over the world. We can't forget that a third of what Jesus did was to drive out demons. Um, when Jesus sent the disciples out, he sent them out in pairs of two. And if you'll remember, they came back to Jesus rejoicing. And this is before the Holy Spirit was even poured out. They came back rejoicing, saying, Jesus, master, the demons are subject to us. He's like, yeah, no kidding. That's what I sent you to do. In Mark 16, one of, the, one of the main signs of a believer, listen to me, not a preacher, a believer. One of the main signs, if you're a follower of Jesus, is that you have the ability and the authority to drive out demons. I love this, but we got to be careful that we don't get hung up on wording or preference, and, and we gotta, we got to simplify it. Everybody say simplify. We make something that's not complicated. The church, how come we're so anointed at making simple things hard? At the end of the day, let's not get hung up on the wording or our preferences or what we were taught growing up, uh, the traditions of men that make the word of God of none effect. Let's simplify it. If they are lost, give them salvation. If they are sick, give them healing. If they are bound, then get them delivered. There is a gospel of salvation. The gospel has healing. The gospel has deliverance. And so it doesn't matter if they've been saved for one minute or never been saved. If they're lost, let's get them saved. If they're sick, get them healed. If they're bound, get them delivered. It's not hard. It's not complicated. And all these things, what I love about God, listen, and, and God's been showing, this is easy for Jesus. We act like that, that this war between the demonic and God is like this tug of war. There is no tug of war. Jesus, in the, in the same chapter, I think, where he sent them out, he said, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Faster than you can blink. You got to understand, it's, he's no match for Jesus. And so we got to stop asking questions like, can a Christian have a demon? A Christian can have whatever a Christian wants. I'm going to let that marinate for just a minute. A Christian can have whatever a Christian wants. You can get saved and be in love with Jesus, but if you open up doors to your soul, what's going to happen? Demons are going to come in. It's, it's not complicated. Um, and here's the thing that I'm, it, it's crazy, because when the Lord first started speaking to me about this, and, and I'll be honest with you, I've got people in ministry around me that think I'm a weirdo now. Uh, they do. They just look at me like I've got two heads, maybe three heads. 
And I'm talking to them about this, but here, here's what I'm discovering as we've been praying about it. And listen, once you, once you come to a platform like this as a pastor and you preach it, that means you're moving ahead in it. That means it's going to happen. Um, but demons are manifesting everywhere. Um, and part of that is because you can't lock people up in their house for two years and they get hooked on Netflix and pornography and all kinds of stuff. They get hooked on it. Then they're in isolation. They're not coming. Many people didn't come back to church in those two years. They stopped coming. They got out of the habit of being in fellowship with other believers. And you can't lock people up for two years in isolation unless they're praying and reading their Bible. How many know the wrong things are going to get in? So much so that, that this is not something you saw in the video, but uh, in Asbury, Kentucky, at Asbury, everybody saw the revival. They saw God moving, and everybody who went said it was just a real sovereign, just move of God, lots of repentance, lots of weeping, lots of people just getting their hearts right, uh, the right posture with God, very, very just moving, genuine, authentic move of God. But what you may not know, there was one pastor who was there and got to talk to one of the professors who was leading the prayer ministry. Because what they, the room was so packed and they had very little altar space, very little. And so when people would come up for prayer, they would have to move them to a prayer room to actually have prayer with many of the people that came forward. And what happened is, is that 70% of the people that felt moved upon to respond and come to an altar, when they went to the prayer room, 70% of them manifested demons. And they had to be cast out. Um, and, and so I'm telling you that because at the end of the day, God is raising up a group of deliverers. He's raising up a fresh generation of deliverers that are mantled, that, can, that will stare the devil in the eyes and say, I'm not backing up. Holy Spirit, come in. Holy Spirit, shake things up. Holy Spirit, knock off the religious apathy. Open our spiritual eyes. Let us see what's actually going on. All the studies are showing us that people are not less spiritual today. They're actually more spiritual. There was, my generation was less spiritual. But this generation sitting on these front two or three rows, they're more spiritual. And, and I say that, and, and I'm making a point here, because this new generation is more spiritual, any, any attempt to experience the supernatural outside of Christ opens you up to all kinds of junk. They're not less spiritual. They're more spiritual which means they're tapping into a lot of things that they don't need to be tapping into. And I want to tell some moms and dads, know what's going on in your house. Know what's being said. Know what's being watched. Know what's being communicated. And for those of you that are here tonight and you're saying, Pastor, I just don't think it takes all that. And, you know, this whole ministry of deliverance thing, it, it's, you know, I, I'm just not sure about it. And it sounds a little bit dangerous. And I want to just say out front that the ministry of deliverance is dangerous to the devil, not to you. It's dangerous to the devil. David did not have scars on him, the lion did. David did not have scars on him, the bear did. David did not have repercussions, Goliath had some repercussions, and he never recovered. Jesus said that all the power of the enemy may come against you, but nothing, somebody shout nothing, nothing shall harm you. Somebody give God praise if you believe that. I may end up kicking this thing tonight, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Demon, listen to me, if you expect there to be repercussions, there will be. A lot of times we have repercussions because we expect them. We believe in them. We believe that it's going to come against us. But I, I want some people to know tonight that you, when you step out to do what God has called you to do, and because of your faith in Christ and in the promise of God, you, you literally, you can't see it, but the devil can see it. There's a spiritual umbrella around you. That God doesn't use me. God doesn't use you. We got to get rid of words like that. I'm guilty of saying the Lord use us. He doesn't use us. He anoints us. 
I use a paper cup. I use a paper plate. And then I toss it. God ain't using anybody. God is anointing people. to. He's raising people up. Come on, somebody. I need you to grab this. He's anointing us to do kingdom business. And so um, the repercussions that come, a lot of times it's not even from the devil anyway. It's from religious people. Um, and for that, you don't, you don't really need anything except a backbone and a spine and, you know, don't be a wimp. Because people are going to, you know, come against you. you got to be like Nehemiah. I'm too busy building this wall. I'm not coming down to talk to you. Don't get defensive. Just do what God has called you to do. Um, when you and I refuse to execute God's judgment on his enemies, which how many believe that demons are God's enemies? All right? If we refuse to execute judgment on God's enemies in an attempt to please people, God will lift the anointing. A great example of that is, is Saul in the Old Testament. Saul did not want to execute judgment on God's enemies because he wanted to be a people pleaser. He was afraid of what the people would say. Now watch this. The, anointed, the, the anointing of God lifted from his life, but his position was still intact. His salary was still intact. He still had the influence. The only thing that was gone was the anointing. And because he would not execute judgment on God's enemies, not only was the anointing lifted from his life, he, he now fell prey to demonic attack. The Bible says that, demon, that, that, that demons got on him, and they wouldn't leave unless David came in and worshipped a little bit. And as David worshipped, the demons would leave. And so I, I, want, I want to say, if you crave affirmation and attention from people, you will not be able to operate in the ministry of deliverance. In order to understand deliverance, you have to know that God has always been delivering his people. Um, and we got to have the right mentality. There's two ways of looking at it. You can have a, a normal view of life, a normal world view, where you just think everything happens for a reason. You know, it is what it is. That's a statement we all make. Everything must be God's will. That's why it happened. It's God's will. God has this mysterious will. God has this mysterious plan. And the reason why people die in accidents is because it's God's will or reason why people are abused. How many know if you go down that road, then you got to start saying it's God's fault people get raped. God's fault that people are abused. God's fault that, that people commit murder. It, it, some people want to stretch the sovereignty of God so far that it almost makes God as, as being evil. But there's an alternative worldview. That's the normal world, worldview. The alternative of that is a warfare worldview, which says there is a God and he doesn't will evil. He is at war with evil. Jesus fought storms. He didn't create storms. Uh, he removed illness. He didn't put illness on people. He expelled demons. He didn't negotiate with them. He didn't demonize parents who came with demonized children. He believed their testimony and said, I, I believe what you're saying. And what did he do? He drove them out. And, and so I, I'm saying, we, we got to know this is a spiritual battle. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What was Jesus trying to tell us? He was trying to tell us that this is not a cruise ship. This is a war ship. This, this, this. He's trying to let us know that, that there, it, it's not about having an audience. It's about becoming an army. That the church is not a babysitting club, but it's a place to be reckoned with. And this is the foundation for deliverance ministry. You've got to get a spiritual backbone. You've got to be able to say, the devil ain't taking my peace. The devil ain't taking my joy. The devil's not impacting my kids. The devil will not have the next generation. We're not just going to pray some watered-down prayer, if it be your will, Lord. No, we're going to pray prayers of revolt where we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to push back the gates of hell. We're going to preach until demons leave. We're going to pray until our kids get saved. We got to have our spiritual eyes opened. We need them open. The reason we cast out devils and set the captives free is because we are in a war. 
And it's better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in a war. God promised the children of Israel the promised land. But they only had not what God promised. They only had what they fought for. Let that sink in. You can have promises all over your life. God, break a passive spirit off of your people where we settle and say, this is it. They, they had promises, but they only inherited what they fought for. It's why Paul told a young pastor by the name of Timothy, he said, this charge, 1 Timothy 1.18, I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Ministry of deliverance is an answer to a cry of oppressed children. It's a ministry, listen to my heart tonight, it's a ministry of compassion. It's a ministry of love. It's a ministry of saying God's people are oppressed, God's people are tormented. Enough is enough. God heard the cry, not of the Egyptians, he heard the cry of his people. That's who he heard the cry of. The greatest deliverance story in the Old Testament was the deliverance of God's people, his people. They were oppressed, and God sent Moses to deliver them. I'll say it like this. God wanted Moses to answer the call because God wanted to answer the cry. And if we don't answer the call to do what God has called us to do, then we won't be able to answer the cry of God's people. It's important that we move in this. Um, and we, we, can't, we can't be so concerned about what people think. I mean, we got to get over that kind of stuff. The promised land, you had, you had the Isra children of Israel, they're in Egypt, bondage. And they have, you have the wilderness between the place of bondage and the promised land. And ultimately, you have the promised land. Egypt, you have to know that the Old Testament is written and there's a lot of types and shadows that speak to us about things that would come in the New Testament. And Egypt is a type of deliverance from demons. They were taskmasters. They were oppressed. And the wilderness, listen, the wilderness is the place where God breaks off the strongholds that came from the demons. And then you have the promised land, which is ultimately where we all want to be. That is the place of dominion. And so we, we were never created for deliverance. We were created for dominion. Listen to me. We need deliverance so that we can operate in dominion. Without deliverance, we can't be everything God has called us to be. God did not tell Adam and Eve to be blessed and multiply and get delivered. He said, be blessed, multiply, and have dominion. And so deliverance is a precursor to dominion. Your Christian life is not supposed to go, and I'm not preaching at you. Please, please hear my heart. It's not supposed to go from deliverance to deliverance to deliverance to deliverance. It's supposed to go from deliverance to dominion. And a lot of times, instead of taking, and, and listen, the missing piece is discipleship. Because once you get free, discipleship is what keeps you free. But many people don't want to pray Listen, if you don't want to pray and you don't want to read the Bible and you don't want to go to church and you don't want to spend time with God, that may be a sign you need a little deliverance. Come on, somebody, help me out right there. Those are some things you ought to, like, if you're a new creation, you should want some of that. You should be desperate for the presence of God. And, and I, I love this because God takes us from a slave mentality to a soldier mentality. And that means that you're supposed to be somebody that pushes back, that you don't settle. God never delivers you from a battle. He delivers you from bondage. God empowers you for the battle. He delivers you from bondage, but he empowers you for the battle. He unties your hands so that you can fight back, so that you can deliver some blows to the enemy. Listen, he wouldn't tell you to put on the whole armor of God if you were not in a real fight. He wouldn't tell you to put on all of that if this wasn't a real fight. So God expects you and I 
to get engaged in the fight. So we got to get free from demons so that we can get into dominion. So God delivers us in Egypt, all right, stay with the story, from demons, but in the promised land, God delivers demons unto you so that you can reign over them. All right? When the children of Israel got out of Egypt, before they went into the promised land, if you read that story, it's very interesting because it's like they constantly wanted deliverance. That's what they constantly wanted. Even when they got out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness, they, they wanted to go back to Egypt. Like we had it better back there. It was a constant cycle with them. But God doesn't want us to go from deliverance to deliverance. He wants us to go from deliverance to dominion. When you get delivered, here's what you got to understand. When God sets you free from something, and I don't care what it is, it could be fear, it could be rejection, it could be bitterness, it could be perversion, it could be uh, all kinds, you, you can name it, we could put lists up here for miles of things that we can get delivered from. But when you get delivered from it, how many know the same demons you get delivered from always come back, but now they're not battling you from the inside because you've been set free. They're battling you from the outside. And you got a choice now to make, are you going to keep them on the outside or are you going to open up the door? Are you going to open up the windows to allow the enemy back in? They will come to try to, to, to bring that bondage back into your life. And some of you tonight, as I was praying for this message and preparing, God said some of you are battling a spirit of fear. Some of you, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, bitterness, rejection, lust, perversion. And I want to just say and announce tonight, whatever it is, that devil's got to go tonight. It's got to go tonight. I'm reminded right now, it's not in my notes, but, but you remember when, when uh, the plagues went against Egypt and they had to spend a night with the frogs? You remember that? And, and, and so the, the, the plague was frogs everywhere. You open up your kitchen cat and a frog jumps on you. And they asked Pharaoh, when do you want the frog? He's like, tomorrow. Why in the world would you want one more day with the frogs? Why would you want one more day with that demon? Why would you want one more day with that oppression? Why would you want one more day with that addiction? See, in the promised land, the goal was dominion. That's, that's the goal of the promised land. It's dominion. God wants us in dominion. But in the wilderness... In the wilderness, God breaks down strongholds. I'm going to teach this for just a minute because when Israel came out of Egypt, they were supposed to arrive from Egypt into the promised land in about 14 days. Okay, 14 days. Even Jesus' wilderness experience was only 40 days. But what was supposed to be 14 days, listen to me, turned into 40 days years 40 years we have to understand this about demons when they are operating against us their goal is not only to destroy our life but while destroying our life they also want to build within us strongholds and mindsets a way of thinking that even when they leave we're still tormented. Please get this. A stronghold is this. You are still oppressed even though you're not. Israel was oppressed in the wilderness even though they were no longer slaves in Egypt. They did a study with a barracuda fish, some of you may have heard this, but they placed the barracuda fish in an aquarium. And barracuda fish, um, they eat all the other fish. That's what they do. And so that's what happened. The barracuda fish was eating all the other fish. But um, this went on for a couple of days, but they put glass in the aquarium separating the barracuda fish from the other fish. And the first moment after the glass went in, the bar they put the other fish in, the barracuda fish got a glimpse of the other fish and went as fast as it could toward the other fish but couldn't see the glass and bam. He was very slow moving towards that the next time. Because how many know when you get hurt once, you kind of learn your lesson, right? You kind of learn your lesson. Um, and here, here's the, the same way a stronghold works. 
Because what happened with the barracuda fish is that the first time it hit the glass really hard, the next time it came up and it kind of just bumped the glass. And then the third time it just brushed the glass and they left it in place for a few more weeks and then they removed the glass. Do you know what? The barracuda fish never went past where the glass used to be. That's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is when the enemy comes in, and listen, you can get free of demons. You can get free. Maybe the assignment of the demon was to bring rejection or betrayal into your life, and God comes and frees you, and the demon's not there. He's not active in your life, but because he was there for so long, strongholds have now formed and now, even though you don't have demonic activity in your life, you're living under the cloud of a stronghold and you can't love anybody. You can't receive love from people. Why? Because you don't want to get hurt again. They build strongholds. They build strongholds, a way of thinking. And listen, that works with fish, works with elephants, and it works with people. The weapons of our warfare, though, are not carnal. But they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Not only do we get the demons out, we have to get free from the garbage, the strongholds that the demons produce in our life. Is this okay with y'all or y'all like weirded out right now? Because they, they can go, but while they're there, how many know they're developing ways of thinking? And they interweave in our personality and in, in, in our relationships. And, and now we don't think on the same level. And, and if you grew up in a home where everybody was fighting all the time, where there was always dysfunction and abuse and addiction and backbiting and hate, you need to know, yeah, the, the demons were active in causing all that. But if you live up in that long enough and you don't have on the full armor of God, not only are there demons present, but there are strongholds being formed that begin to limit your life in Christ. Now, you say, well, why, why does God break down the, the strongholds layer by layer in the wilderness? Um, I think the wilderness is the season in our life. We, we don't like wilderness seasons, but God uses them to destroy strongholds. Because in the wilderness, that's where your moodiness dies. That's where your crankiness dies. That the wilderness is the place where you get over, I don't feel like reading my Bible anymore. I, I, I don't feel like praying. I don't, I don't feel like going to church. It, it's got to die in the wilderness because at the end of the day, what the children of Israel had was a victim mentality. That's the stronghold. Strongholds produce a victim mentality. Um, and, and the breaking down of stronghold, you have to understand this. Demons come in quickly. But how many know we drive them out quickly? The hard part is not driving demons out of a person's life. The hard part is pulling the stronghold down. Pulling down the way of thinking that came as a result of the demonic activity. And so when the children of Israel were in Egypt and they were uh, being oppressed, they were building Pharaoh something out of the bricks they were given. They were building something for Pharaoh. But how many know Pharaoh was building more than just physical pyramids? He was building a way of thinking in the children of Israel. Why, why do you think once they're set free, they're thinking it was better when we were in bondage? Why, why would you think that? Because you're living in a stronghold. You're not, the, how many, we got to not only pull down strongholds, we have to cast down imaginations. We got to cast them down. We got to get our thinking in line with the word of God. And, and so when you read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, what do you see in the children of Israel? It's a victim mentality, always whining, always complaining. They were, they were not slaves, but acting like slaves. Sounds like the American church. We're not slaves, but we're acting like slaves. God was physically feeding them angels' food, and they were complaining. I don't, maybe, maybe I'm too hard on them, but I can't imagine God pouring out my, my supper literally out of heaven every day and then complaining. But that's where they were. They were complaining and whining all the time. How's that possible? A stronghold in the mind. 
This is why some people get delivered, but because they refuse to get into the word and have a prayer life and get plugged into the life of a local church, they end up needing deliverance again. I don't want you to need deliverance every day. I want you to get, part of the reason we started compass class and a discipleship thing is because we needed something in place that when people get set free, they, they can begin living a life that will keep them free. Listen, it's not the truth that sets you free. We, we quote, the truth will set you free. That's not true. It's the truth that you know will set you free. The truth that you know, the truth that you comprehend, the truth that, that you understand is, is what sets us free. I'm gonna, can, I, can I meddle for just a minute? Y'all got time? It's Friday night. Um, and I want us, everybody say love. Say compassion. This is very important because if somebody is battling a spirit, we, we, we got to be careful not to attack the person and say things like, if somebody's battling a spirit of anxiety and they, they're anxious all the time and you look at them and say, just get over it. Now you have, you, you have not, only, not only do they have anxiety, now you've pressured them to perform which doubles down on what they're already dealing with. And, and so I, I, we appreciate your Band-Aid, but they don't need a Band-Aid, they need deliverance. Okay? Just telling them to get over it is not going to fix it. Simply telling a person bound with a spirit of fear, rejection, loneliness, to get better, to get over it is one of the worst things that you and I can do. We've got to lead them to Jesus because just like Moses was the deliverer in the Old Testament, how many know Moses is not the deliverer now, Jesus is our deliverer. And we gotta point them to Jesus. We gotta point them in the direction of Jesus. I posted this on my Facebook the other day, but the key to the Christian life is to plant seeds, pull weeds, and destroy snakes. Every day. Planting the right seeds, pulling up the weeds, and killing the snakes. And how many know that's a full-time job? Right? It's a full-time job doing that. Um, but some people, because they don't see things as spiritual, they don't plant seeds, they don't pull weeds, they just attack people. And, and I want to say to you in a very loving way, stop attacking your spouse and attack the problem. Stop attacking your children and attack the problem. Stop attacking your church and attack the problem. How many, we don't, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We got to open up our eyes to a spiritual battle. When it comes to deliverance, there's three main components. Let me give you these. I got about 10 minutes and then we're going to pray. Deliverance is identifying, confronting, and resisting the enemy. You got to identify the enemy, you got to confront the enemy, and then you got to resist the enemy. God told Moses, He said, My people, my people, I hear my people's cries. What was God doing? He was identifying that His people were in bondage. And so He's telling Moses, I, My people are being oppressed. I hear their cry. And some of you are still in the mode, Well, Pastor, I just, I can't. I can't wrap my head around this or, you know, uh, a Christian struggling with a spirit that's not from God. I'm just struggling with all of that. Well, here, here's the thing. I want you to know that as a church member, you need to know Jesus cleansed the temple while he was on the earth twice. He did it once at the beginning of his ministry and he did it once at the end of his ministry, and let me just say it like this, you are the temple of God, but you could be a trashy temple if you choose to be. I need some help in this quiet church right now. You are a temple. Listen, the Antichrist one day will sit in the temple, and if he can sit in the temple, his minions can't. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost, right? But you can be a trashy temple if you choose to be. See, Jesus was cleansing temples. The Pharisees were cleansing tombs. I don't know about you, but I would rather cleanse the temple. I would rather prepare my temple 
for the Holy Spirit to move in my life. The problem is, let, let me say it this way. It's not normal for Christians to have demons. That's not normal. But it is normal for Christians to be delivered. Okay? How, how does this happen? This happens because we give place. Why do you think Paul said, give no place to the devil? Give no place. I don't care if you've been preaching for 42 years. If you give place to the devil, he's going to come in, and he's going to rearrange your furniture. He's going to mess with your stuff. He's going to rob you of joy. He's going to rob you of peace. He's going to bring some depression along with it. He's going to bring some anxiety with it. He's going to bring all kinds of company with it. Listen, you can put a sign on, on your house above the door and above your windows that says no flies and no mice. But, but if you leave the house with the door open and the windows open, mice and flies don't care about your sign. They're coming on in. In other words, I don't care what your shirt says, your bumper sticker says, how long you've been saved. Listen, they're not reading the signs. If the door's open, they're coming in. And what I found is not only do they come in, they bring company. There's often more. Once you got one, you got multiple usually. Because they, 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 they work together in pairs. So don't leave doors. Hit your neighbor and say, don't leave the door open. Now, worship team, y'all get in place. I'm going to teach and then land this plane right here. Holy Spirit, help me. Um, demons can come in several ways. Why, why are you teaching us this? Because I want you to live free. Um, we all know, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but we all know that generational curses are a thing, that they come through bloodlines. We, we understand that. Um, that's one way they come in. Another way is through intrusion. When I say intrusion, I mean abuse. Um, how many of the devil doesn't play fair? And, I'm, and this, this is not from a book, but just from experiences I've had in casting out devils that many times, I hate to even talk like this, because it, but it, I got to make it real because the devil doesn't play fair. Sometimes when someone is molested, you would think the person who did that would, you know, that, that abused the person, that, that per but many times through that trauma, a demon comes because he doesn't play fair. There's also, there's not just through inherited ways, not just through intrusion, trauma and abuse and things like that, but also in, this is where I've been talking mainly tonight, is our involvement in willful sin. Willful. Just open the door and we just keep doing the wrong thing over and over. Even though we know what the word says, we, we do the opposite. But a demonized world needs a deliverance church. Jesus still sets the captive free. He still liberates people in bondage. And I want to I wanna clarify because I don't want anybody to go out of here and say that, you know, Pastor Chad said that, you know, I, I'm, I'm possessed. I don't even use the word possessed because the devil don't own anybody. I don't even use that word. Somebody needs to give God praise right there because he doesn't own anybody. I don't care what doors you open, what demons ended up there, they don't own you. Yeah, you've forfeited some property to him. You've leased some land to him. I get it. But the devil don't own anybody. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And if you follow Jesus, even if you've got stuff going on in your life, and, but you're choosing to follow Jesus, listen to me, he owns you. He paid a big price. We were not purchased with corruptible things such as silver or gold. But we were, man, I, we were bought with the precious blood of Jesus. He spilled his blood. So let me answer a couple questions and then we're going to get into a prayer. And I don't know what's going to happen. I just know it's going to be good. I feel, I, I can sense the Holy Spirit's speaking to people right now. The questions come, how do I know, Pastor, if I got a demon? How do I know if I need deliverance? 
this is not a complete list by any means, but some of the ways, if you've been involved in the occult, and I have to talk about this because this area is known for witches. I have to talk about it. If you've been involved in the occult or false religions, that's an open door to the demonic. Negative parental influences can be an open door. Unfortunately, pressures in early childhood where they lived in a home where it was broken, strife, hate, bitterness, fighting all the time, it opens up a door. Not saying you have it, I'm saying you, you may have closed the door. I'm just saying these are ways. It could be emotional shock or sustained emotional pressure. Why do you think God wants you to live in peace? Because we're not built to carry pressure 24-7. We're not built. Jesus said, all you who are tired and weary, come to me and I'll give you rest. But you spend seven years under emotional stress and think it's not going to have an effect on you. It's going to have an effect. If you experience extreme restlessness in this environment tonight, that's probably a sign you need some deliverance. You have hostility towards this message. You may need delivered. Intrusive thoughts. I know this is where people live, and I'm trying to be as real as I can. Intrusive thoughts, hearing voices, violent urges. When when Jesus cast the demons out of the one man, y'all know the story. He cast them into the pigs, and they ran violently off the cliff. You say, well, I just, you know, I go into these fits and I lose control. Well, you may lose control, but somebody's in control. And that could be a demon. Sinful acts or habits. Here's one we don't want to talk about, especially in the church. Idle words. It's an open door. Idle words. Jesus was so strong on this in Matthew's gospel. He said, you will be justified or condemned by your words. What we say matters. What we speak matters. Running around saying, I'm sick and tired all the time. You are going to be sick and tired. I'm sick and tired. About to lose my mind. And you wonder why you're losing your mind. We're saying all these idle words. Listen, I'm going to go a little bit deeper and then we'll switch gears. Constant attacks in your sleep. There's levels of demonic activity, guys. Sometimes they they haven't taken up residence. They just keep coming and messing with you. Sometimes they do take up residence. You got to drive them out. Heaviness, depression, and chronic fear. Intense desire or drive for defiled things. Demons need to eat. If you want the constant wrong thing all the time and you got a constant drive for the wrong things, That could be a sign. Sickness and illness that doesn't make sense. Sometimes I meet people and they get every kind of sickness and doctors can't even give them a diagnosis and there's no reason why they got all this stuff going on. Listen to me. It's spiritual. I didn't put this in my notes, but you need to know that sometimes, listen, when a person gets set free from demonic activity, the healing's instant. It's instant. Because it's a spirit blocking your healing. It's a spirit keeping you sick. So what do demons do? They entice, they harass, they torture, they compel, they enslave, they cause addictions, they defile, they deceive, they attack the physical body. Um, They affect, listen, five areas, your emotions and attitudes, your mind, your tongue, your physical appetites, all will be affected. God said to Moses, my people are in bondage. He was identifying the enemy. Secondly, we confront the enemy. God sends Moses, watch this, not to talk about Pharaoh. He sent Moses to lock eyes with Pharaoh. He was saying, Moses, I want you to go and confront the one who is oppressing my people. See, we don't need new age. We need a new life in Christ. 
And so God sent Moses to speak. And tonight, I, I just want to encourage somebody that feels like, man, I've been going through the same junk for six years, 10 years, 15 years. I can trace this stuff back 30 years. Tonight, you're going to confront your Pharaoh. Some of you have been hearing the enemy's voice, but it's time that the devil begin hearing your voice. Oh, come on, put a shout on that. Put a shout on it. We identify, confront, and resist. What would have happened when the plagues started coming? You, you know how God did it. He sent the plagues. What would have happened if Moses said, after the first plague didn't work? What if Moses had said, I'm done? I quit. Every time one plague left, watch this. Every time one plague left, it got a little bit worse for Israel. It got a little bit worse. It got a little bit more intense. And for some of you, since I started preaching on this a few months ago and then the last Freedom Night and now tonight, it's like almost like it's gotten a little bit worse. Like, why is it getting worse and not better? I'll tell you why. Demons are getting shook up. They don't want to give up their territory. They don't want to back off. They're getting discovered. And demons, listen to me, they want to remain hidden. <laughs> they want to remain hidden, undetected. They would rather you go through life just blaming it on this, it just what happens to me. And you never identify, you never confront, and you never resist. And I, I sent this text to James right before church and said, can you add this scripture? Because I felt like this is the scripture I needed to end with. Exodus 14, 13 and 14. Somebody hear this tonight. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Ah, that right there. That right there. You know what that is? That's God saying, I'm going to fight this battle. You've done all you can do with it. It's not in your power anyway. I came to set the captive free. That's why Jesus came, to destroy the works of the devil, to heal all the diseases. That's why Jesus came. I want you to stand with me. I am quitting right here preparing to get free in this moment. Close the doors, close the windows. Don't leave up, don't leave any area for the enemy to get in. God delivers us to bring us into a place of dominion. Some of you, I believe with all my heart, you're gonna have peace and operate in the dominion God had for you for the first time in your entire life. It's gonna be the first time you've ever really been at peace and had dominion. It's gonna to happen tonight. As everybody stands for this part, and I'm gonna be very intentional here because I've learned some things. When you start preaching on this, you know what happens? God starts sending people to you that need delivered. <laughs> it's like, oh, so we're really gonna do this, Lord. Um, and I've learned a few things, and a lot of times the deliverance ends up taking longer than it should because we, we don't have the opportunity to help them um, understand a few things. And so I, I asked James to put this on the screen. These are the steps to deliverance. How many are ready? Anybody ready? Anybody ready? These are the steps. Number one, it's, it's nine steps. You gotta personally affirm your faith in Christ. Jesus is the high priest of our confession. All right, so we got to acknowledge Jesus is Lord. How many of you acknowledge Jesus is Lord? We got to acknowledge it. Secondly, you got to humble yourself. We all have to humble ourselves. It's either dignity or deliverance, but you're not getting both. One of the two. Here's number three you got to confess any known sin. Any known sin in your life, you need to confess it. Four, repent of your sins. What's repentance? Repentance is not a prayer. Repentance is we turn away 
from that life and we're going to live in a way that honors God. It's a decision. Number five, and this is, this is one of the areas, listen to me, that we have learned and Alex and Kendallin have been with me in, in some of this and they, they, they know. Listen, this next one, number five, a lot of times they don't get fully free. They, we get stuck in the process in casting devils out with number five and that is forgiving all people to the point that you call their name out. Because listen to me, demons can only stay if they have legal access. And sometimes we can't get rid of things because legally we've given them access. Number six, break all ties to the occult and witchcraft. Ouija boards and all that nonsense, get rid of it. Get rid of that nonsense. Just get rid of it. Seven, be prepared to be released from every curse over your life, every single curse over your life. Number eight, take your stand with God. What do I mean by that? That's a total surrender. God, I'm following you. I'm giving you everything that I have. And then the last step is to expel them, to drive them out. Gotta make sure you've repented got to make sure Jesus is the one. Listen to me. At the end of the day, we can help you. Our altar team can help you. But Jesus is the deliverer. I'm going to make it real clear. You're not leaving here saying he thinks he can cast out all the devils and it's all about. It ain't got nothing to do with me or anybody else in this room. If a devil gets driven out, it's because we've operated in the authority Jesus has given us and they only leave at the name of Jesus, not Chad, not Karen, not, not Jeremy, not Alex, not Kim. He, he, he only leaves at the name of Jesus. You repented, he's the deliverer. We're basing our appeal solely on what Jesus did on the cross. And as an act of your will, you need to forgive people. So here's what I want, want you guys to do. Ask that, first off, prayer team and altar team, uh, staff, if you would go ahead and just line up all the way across. I don't want you to minister to anybody just yet because I mentioned these steps, but I believe we're gonna, we're gonna do this. Is it okay with y'all if we do those nine steps corporately and prepare ourselves for what God wants to do? Here's, here's what I wanna do. I wanna lead us through a prayer and I want you to pray in whatever words um, God gives you as we go through these nine things. Um, and I wanna ask that if you feel that there's an area of your life where there's bondage, an area where you know maybe there's something there that shouldn't be there and you want to be free, I believe tonight can be your night. How many believe tonight can be their night? So here we go. It's your choice, deliverance or dignity. I want you to pray with me in your own way. I'm just gonna give some words through these nine steps. Father, we just thank you tonight for Jesus. Jesus, we believe you are the son of God and you are the only way to God. Jesus, we know that you died on the cross for our sins and you rose again that I might be forgiven and receive deliverance. Tonight, Jesus, I humble myself. We humble ourselves and we renounce all pride and religious self-righteousness and any dignity that does not come from you. We have no claim on your mercy except that you died in our place. Father, we confess all of our sins to you. I want to encourage you right there where you're at, under your voice. If you need to confess them, confess them. We confess our sins. We repent of our sins. We turn away from them and we turn to you. We ask for your mercy and forgiveness. And God, by a decision of our will tonight, we freely forgive every person that has wronged us. And if they've wronged you, you need to be specific. You need to name them. Name them. Take time to name them. Name them. Call their name out. It was a specific thing that happened. You're going to have to be specific in who you forgive. Father, we forgive them. We lay down bitterness. We lay down resentment. We lay down hatred. 
And God, we choose to forgive them. God, tonight we break and sever all contact that we've ever had with the occult or false religion. We choose to forsake all of that to follow you. And God, tonight we thank you that through Jesus, that every curse was defeated on the cross, that we might be redeemed and that we don't have to just inherit a curse, but God, we can inherit your blessing. So we pray in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name, that you release your people tonight and set them free. God, deliver them. God, we take our stand with you. We stand with you, Jesus, and against Satan and his demons. We submit to you and we choose to resist the devil. And now, Father, in the authority of Jesus Christ, the authority you've given me as a believer, Father, I come against every single spirit right now in the name of Jesus that is tormented, harassed, vexed, caused sickness. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. Every spirit that is not of the Holy Spirit, we command you to go in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of infirmity, every spirit of sickness, God, we command it to go in the name of Jesus. Every perverted spirit must go in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of anger, God, it's gotta go in the name of Jesus. Fear, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, it's gotta go in the name of Jesus. We command it to go. In the name of Jesus, I speak life over your people. Now here's the next step. I think you're ready for it. All throughout the scripture, they laid hands and they drove out demons. You can be set free tonight. If you feel there's an area where you need freedom, need deliverance, I want you to come and I want you to find somebody in this altar. Just come forward, come forward. They will pair up and they will pray with you and for you. We're believing that bondages are gonna be broke. Come on, don't choose dignity right now. If you feel there's an area you need help, an area you need freedom, now is the time to move. I don't care if it's unforgiveness, I don't care if it's rejection, I don't care if it's loneliness, I don't care what, what it is. Whatever spirit has attacked you and made you feel hostage or in bondage, I want you to take a step of faith tonight. Move now in the name of Jesus. Move now in the name of Jesus. Come on, you gotta move, you gotta move. If you want free, this could be your night. This could be your night. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God's moving, God's moving. People are moving, come on. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing right now. In the name of Jesus. We're going to continue to minister to people as they come to the altar. These altars are full. But if you, you need to respond, you can come. Somebody will get to you. Somebody will get to you, I promise. We won't leave you standing there. But I'm going to get out of the way and allow the worship team to lead us. Those of you that are filled with the Spirit and you're free and you feel good, I want you to get kind of close. You don't have to touch anybody, but let's form a little bit of a, a wall. Stretch your hands. Let's pray. Let's, let's turn this place into an altar. Turn it into an altar that the fire of God can begin to move. Come on. Let's do it together. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.